Welcome to the Sell Your Brilliance Summit, where we empower entrepreneurs to elevate their influence. We're here to ignite your entrepreneurial spirit and help you showcase your unique talents to the world. I'm your host, Michelle Parad, and I'm thrilled to be your guide on this journey of unlocking your true potential. Enjoy this summit. I can't wait to connect with you. So today we are here to really talk about an often neglected topic, which is around food and and the body and how that affects our time, our money, our energy, and how that really ends up translating into business. And so here to highlight a more sustainable approach to eating and dieting is Alana Vandersloos. She is a certified intuitive eating counselor, TEDx speaker, eating disorder survivor, and the founder of Freedom with Food and Fitness. She is dedicated to empowering women to heal their relationships with food and their bodies to step into their potential. She currently hosts the Finally Free podcast and has debuted her book, Freedom with Food and Fitness. So welcome to Alana, and I can't wait for you to dive in to this interview. So welcome to the summit, Alana. I'm so excited to have you here. Today, we're going to be talking about how intuitive eating can help you level up your business. And so this is a very interesting topic because I feel like people compartmentalize these two areas. They're like, either it's well-being or it's business and don't really necessarily see the link between the two. And so I'm really just honored to talk to you and and really happy that you're going on stages and really addressing this issue because more women and just generally people should know what the heck wellness even means (laughs) and in this day and age and have a, a redefinition of what that is. I'd love to start by asking you, what do you feel like is intuitive eating? How can we go about doing that in our day to day? Sure. So intuitive eating is an anti-diet framework. So it's an approach to nutrition and fitness, but it's just from an anti-diet perspective. There's no uh, weight loss goal. There's no calorie counting or macro counting or logging your foods or saying you can't eat a certain food group. It's very holistic and it very much is based on learning to listen to your body's cues. So relearning to not only here, but also honor your cues of hunger and fullness and satiety. So there are 10 principles within the framework, but honoring your hunger and fullness, incorporating nutrition in what we call a gentle way. So gentle nutrition, joyful movement, as opposed to this hardcore exercise that you have to do, learning to cope with your emotions with kindness as opposed to food. So those are just a couple, but it's a scientifically validated philosophy. There have been over a hundred studies done on the both mental and physical health benefits of intuitive eating versus dieting. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I too, all of us have experimented with different things and it gets so confusing because there are so many nutritionists that say only eat one particular food group or only do this or only do that. And it doesn't really take into account that like each of us is very nuanced. You can go into the whole like blood type piece, but even that, I think there are elements within that, that it's just so individualized. And so I I really like that. It's okay. It's about maybe just listening to your own body and what it wants. 
Exactly. And we're so, as you said, we're so nuanced, we're so unique and different and everybody wants the answer and the formula or the exact amount of calories or macros for some, just by simply plugging in your age and your height. And that's just, that's not the way that it works. There's so many other factors. There's genetics. As you said, there's blood type, there's how, how much you move your body. There, there's so many different factors to not only weight, but health overall. And they're not the same thing. Weight and health are absolutely not the same thing. Being thin does not automatically mean that you're healthy. Being in a larger body doesn't automatically mean that you're not healthy. And I think the common denominator with all the diets that we're seeing, whether it be paleo or keto or whatever it is, the common denominator with all of them, even though they're so contradictory to their own, the rules is this idea that we're following external rules. We're following somebody else's playbook for our own health. And all the diets, no matter what the rules are, take us away from that innate wisdom that we have in our own bodies that we stop listening to. And then we wonder why we're so dysregulated with our hunger and fullness cues and not knowing what to eat and when to eat. It's because we haven't been listening to our own bodies. We've been listening to the quote unquote experts instead. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that is so true. And I know you talk a lot about like calorie counting and it's to begin with, I always thought it was crazy that it's like 1200 calories or something across the boat for every single individual is like what you should aspire to. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit to that? That is part of the diet culture in general. Absolutely. And for anybody who's, oh, that's what I do. Don't feel shame about it because I was in that boat too. In fact, I was eating like 900 to a thousand calories a day at one point when I was really sick. And it's, you're right. That is like the number that every calorie counter will spit out at a woman if they want to lose weight. And the thing about that is, first of all, 1200 calories is the recommended amount of calories for a toddler. So for a two-year-old, not for a grown woman, it's simply not enough energy. And I think we get caught up in this idea of calories in, calories out. And I I understand the logic behind that, but there are other factors. I I think everybody wants the logic to be simple, but again, as you said, it is very nuanced. It's not just calories in, calories out, because how much physical activity are you getting in your day? What's your metabolism like? What's the speed of your metabolism? Because if you're eating 1200 calories a day, that is starvation and your body will slow your metabolism down and de- you know de- deregulate itself in order to keep you alive so then anytime that you eat more than 1200 calories your body wants to store all that as fat because it's like a bear trying to hibernate for winter it's trying to hold on to that fat a- as a mode of survival you have to learn how to slowly increase your calorie intake while doing things like strength training and all the all a bunch of other healthful behaviors that you could be engaging in other than dieting and you'll see that you could actually eat more and still lose weight if that's your goal. Mm. Yeah, so interesting. It's always the balance that we're not going to sit around. I know that there's all those tests and they can tell you like here's your metabolism and then you should do this and there's so there's a scientific approach to that. But personally, I'm like, who has the time to to go in and do all those tests to really figure that all out? So I can see how from your perspective, it's like intuitive eating. It's really, okay, let's just, what is, again, going back to what is my body telling me? Um, Absolutely. And it varies from day to day is another thing. Yeah, sure. If you have the privilege and the money and the means to, to do those tests, 
that's that's everybody's prerogative and you're allowed to do whatever you want. That That's a big part of intuitive eating is just being empowered to make your own choices, not only for what health is to you and how you want to nourish and move your body, but also what your definition of beauty is and what your definition of worthy is because we get so caught up in thin equals beautiful and worthy, but that's a narrative that we're fed, but that's not necessarily a narrative that we need to adopt. Absolutely. And I know you mentioned that you have a personal experience with that. And I'm sure that's what led you down this whole path. And, and I too vulnerable share not by my own desire in any way, but I had a mysterious illness that made me lose a lot of weight. And I thought, I think what was very crazy about that whole experience is that how many people were like, you look so beautiful. And I was like, clearly sick. And it was just very interesting to me how objectifying this whole society is and how sick we are as a society to think that is beautiful. So it's like, it's a very interesting, for me, having had that experience, it was a very interesting perspective and reframe uh, for me in terms of, no, um, I'm going to determine in a sense, like what my, what I think is beautiful, what I think is well-being and, and all that and not pay attention to what's what other people's subconscious programming is around that but I I, it was it's sad to to see that I really feel that as a society we need to reframe that the general concepts absolutely and that's I've had a similar experience as you where when I had my eating disorder it was oh you look so great what's your secret like how do you eat how do you exercise and it was like I have an eating disorder if if, if you really want to look like this you can have it too it's just right I I obviously say that in in jest, but, and then the opposite is also true. There's a whole lot of weight stigma and people who are in larger bodies might be quote unquote, doing all the right things and engaging in a lot of health promoting behaviors and might be at the peak of their health, but because they're genetically just in a larger body, people automatically assume that they don't take care of themselves or they're lazy. And it's so damaging and heartbreaking to see just how much fat phobia we have in this society. And that kind of ties into the piece I know we're going to be talking about in terms of a business is a woman in a larger body who has her own business probably feels this pressure to look a certain way in order to show up in that business, in order to take on a stage or show up on social media or this worry that their client isn't going to want their product or service if they don't look like some sort of perfect after photo. And I think it causes a lot of women to not fully show up and take the chances that could make their businesses thrive. Yeah, it's such a good point is that undercurrent of what we've been taught about how we should look or that perception can sometimes be in the way of us showing up to places and being visible and getting out there. And yeah, how can people start addressing that if they feel like they might have that perception for themselves, if they have that fear of I'm not at the level or whatever that I want to be, I'm, I'm not going to go out and do it. <laughs> I, I, I first think it, it takes a really honest assessment of how much time, money and energy you're wasting trying to get an ideal body or to reach a goal weight. In my, I, I do a lot of speaking at women's conferences and for women's organizations. And I I talk about this a lot. And in our lifetimes, the average woman spends $12,000 on diet and weight loss programs. And that would 
may perhaps be a worthwhile investment in one's health and longevity if diets actually worked. But 95% of diets fail. So it's, you might as well take the $12,000 and flush it down the toilet. And then when you're dieting, you think about food on average, 20 to 65% of your day. Like, could you imagine what you could get done in your business if you reclaimed that time back? And energy, if you are restricting, if you're eating 1,200 calories a day, there's a whole lot of brain fog and lethargy and confusion that you can feel mentally that takes you out of being laser focused in the things that you need to achieve. So really taking stock of you know, how much of my time, money, and, and energy am I wasting on dieting and what am I not pursuing in my business because I don't have those resources available to me for that is a good first step. That is so true. It's, that could have paid for whatever it is. It could be some ads or it could have paid for some kind of sponsorship that would have gotten you like the next level clients. There's always like a tip for tap. But so would, do you recommend having any, are there supplements that you think people should take or is that whole area a scam <laughs> generally? I, I do like certain supplements. I, I take quite a few uh, I love, I think everybody, as long as their doctor approves, I, you know, I think everybody should be taking a probiotic because that really helps with gut health. I think everybody should be taking an adaptogen like ashwagandha to, to help regulate stress. I think that women should be taking vitamin D, especially. So there's a bunch of them. I don't really think that relates as much to the success of a business, but I, I just think people need to take a really hard look at the way that they're treating their bodies and whether or not it's actually in alignment with their goals in terms of health. Like what is health to them? And are they pursuing it in a way that feels good? Because if you're trying to lose 20 pounds and you're not eating enough calories per day and you feel like you're walking through quicksand throughout your entire day and all you can think about is food because you're so hungry, that's not a worthwhile journey. That's, I don't think that's really the way to get what you want. And I think there is a much more sustainable way to get the body that you want that will make you feel good in that body. And I don't think dieting is a way to do it. Absolutely. So I see your book behind, behind you. you tell us a little bit about what advice you, you have for women in there. Obviously you've given us a ton of wisdom already, but any like particular steps people can start to, to take to to think and particularly, obviously, with regards to their business as well. Sure. So af- I think after you've, you know, maybe journaled out what your big and small goals are for your business and how dieting might be getting in the way of those goals, I suggest you pick up my new book. <laughs> Speaking of the, it is called Freedom with Food and Fitness, and it's going to be available worldwide, Amazon, Barnes and Noble on November 14th. And I don't know if this is coming out before or after November 14th? The after. <laughs> the after. Okay. So the, the, the pre-order bonuses will be gone, but that is okay. But I, w- I would really pick up the book as a next step because it's split into two parts. So it's half about food, half about fitness and how to approach both from a very practical and actionable lens of here are tips and tricks and strategies that I picked up in my own journey because I had undiagnosed eating disorders and now I'm fully recovered and I coach other women as an intuitive eating coach. So that trajectory, what were the biggest lessons and takeaways that I have implemented in my life to make it 
not only less effort, we're so busy. If you're a female entrepreneur, you have a lot going on. So how can you start to become an intuitive eater and approach non-diet health and fitness in a way that doesn't take up all your time? Like you don't want to be meal prepping all day on a Sunday when you could be spending that time with your kids. If you have kids, you want to do it in an hour or two and do it in a way where you're creating meals that are delicious, but also nutrient dense and are leave you feeling full and satisfied. So just very practical tips and tricks for both the nutrition and the fitness side. And I think it's a really low entry, low ticket way to dive into this possibility of being an intuitive eater. And again, once you eat intuitively, you're just paying attention to your body's cues. You don't really need to think about those elements of your life as much anymore. So you can reinvest that time and energy into um, your business. I love that. I can't wait to to dive into it when it comes out. I'm super excited for you. And I know you've been a TEDx speaker as well. And I did watch, I, I did watch it. I know you are a proponent of like community gardens and frozen foods and things like that. Is that one way or what are some of the ways that we can, yeah, be more conscious about the types of foods that we eat or where we source them from as well? Absolutely. And the, the big part of that TEDx talk was we have this very singular view of what health looks like. And that kind of goes back to before where everyone thinks being healthy is being skinny. We have this singular view that's propagated in the media a lot is if you're healthy, you're this smiling, thin blonde chick in her twenties that you can bounce a quarter off her butt and she's holding a yoga mat and a $17 green juice. And it's just that narrative is so damaging because it makes everybody else feel like they don't belong in this wellness sphere and that they are less than, or they're not doing enough for their health if they don't look like this person. But in reality, again, health is something that you define. It's, there's no perfect health. It's, we have genetics, we have things that we need to account for individually and health fitness could be an Equinox membership if you can afford that, but it could also be doing body weight exercises in your 500 square foot apartment. It could be going up and down the stairs at work. It doesn't have, and it doesn't have to be organic food, right? If you can afford to shop at Whole Foods, that's wonderful. But as you said, you can grow a community garden in your neighborhood. You can rely on canned vegetables and canned beans and things like that. It doesn't have to be this non, all non-processed, all organic, all non-GMO food, especially when that's not a reality for a lot of people. And we don't want to exclude people from this conversation of health. We want it to be more inclusive. Right. Yeah. That, that is so, so true. I feel like that is the, that agenda is very much pushed. Uh, Got to have everything fresh and organic. And it's, again, it ranges based on your situation and there are good choices you can make depending on your environment. And listen, I'm like a weekday frozen food warrior, as I like to call it. Like some nights I, or some afternoons I get home from a full day of work and I need to put food on the table and I have 20 minutes and I get out frozen fish sticks from Trader Joe's and frozen sweet potato fries and frozen green beans. And it's still a nourishing meal, but it's all frozen stuff. I literally cut the bag open, dump it on a baking sheet and throw it in the oven and everybody's happy and it's nutritious. It's delicious. And it doesn't have to look the way Pinterest makes a lot of things look. 
Right. Absolutely. And so have you found that you like the, you've thrived more with your business as you've implemented a lot more of these more like holistic points of view on eating as well? Have you seen a a specific correlation for your clients? I'm assuming. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I started this pivot for the business where I do want to start working more with female entrepreneurs and women who have careers because it was only a couple of months ago that I remembered this memory of my first year teaching because I'm a high school English teacher. That's my full-time job. And I was sitting in the bleachers with another teacher and she was about ready to retire. I think it was her last year and it was my first year. And she asked me where I thought my career was headed. And I told her that I would be happy to stay there and retire. And like, I literally just started working and I was making like entry level $30,000 a year. And I was like, no, I'm okay staying here. And this was when I was in the middle of my eating disorder, but I was so exhausted and with so much brain fog that I didn't have the mental capacity to dream bigger in my career. So I was very happy with just staying in the same position for the same salary for another 40 years. And looking back on that, I realized just how limited I had made myself because I was trying to get to this goal weight obsessively. And now that I'm an intuitive eater, I make six figures and I have a traditional book deal and I did the TEDx talk and I've done these amazing things and had these amazing opportunities that I wouldn't have pushed for or -hmm. had the capacity and energy to push for had I not started nourishing my body in a way where all cylinders could be firing. So I want that story to resonate with women who feel really exhausted and also want to uplevel their business where the pursuance of getting an ideal body to give themselves permission to show up fully in their business is actually hurting their business. They should just show up as they are, but still obviously through intuitive eating, honor and respect their health. But you can do that without being on a diet. I love that. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here. And for anyone watching, definitely get Alana's free guide. I don't know if you want to tell a little bit about what's inside of there. Sure. So I have a free ebook. It's a workbook that kind of goes along with a presentation that I typically give women's business organizations. And it's just a way for you to reflect on all the different ways that diet culture might be affecting your life and how what dreams you might be having for your business and how the two of them aren't meshing and a little bit of a game plan of how you can move forward as an intuitive eater and all of the wonderful things that you could execute in your business. Amazing. Awesome. Thank you again, everybody. Definitely reach out to Alana. And what's the website that you're at? Freedomwithfoodandfitness.com. And I also have, obviously, the book is out at this point, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, but I also offer intuitive eating coaching. I offer group coaching, one-on-one coaching. So if anyone's interested in working with me directly, you could just go to freedomwithfoodandfitness.com or on Instagram at freedomwithfoodandfitness, send me a message and we we can talk. Awesome. All right. Sounds good. Thank you.